Genesis chapter 48, please. I want to speak this morning on the subject, Our Kinsman Redeemer. Uh, we can sing about redemption and come a ransomed soul shall find rest beyond the river we sang. and They're beautiful, but what does it really mean that he's our kinsman? And what does it mean he's our redeemer? And how do we link this? You see, it's not just something that we have read and so we, well, that's it. We read it, we believe it. And while that's good enough, it's, I want you to see this morning the inextricable link between uh, Israel and Yahweh, God, or the inextricable link as God becomes redeemer until substance and redemption comes to the sense where the Son of God uh, manifested uh, God. He, 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 when you've seen him, he says, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He manifested God, and he, of course, is the Almighty God in flesh. Notice here in Genesis 48, please, and let your eye just run down for time's sake to verse 16. Jacob is speaking. The angel which redeemed me from all evil bless the lads. And let my name be on them and the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac. And let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. And when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand upon the head of Ephraim... It displeased him, and he held up his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head onto Manasseh's head. And Joseph said unto his father, Not so, my father, for this is the firstborn. Put thy right hand upon his head. And his father refused and said, I know it, my son, I know it. He also but a people. He also shall be great. But truly his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his seed shall become a multitude of nations. And he blessed them that day, saying, And thee shall Israel bless, saying, God make thee as Ephraim, and as Manasseh. And he set Ephraim before Manasseh. And Israel said unto Joseph, Behold, I die, but God shall be with you, and bring you again unto the land of your fathers. Moreover, I have given to thee one portion above thy brethren, which I took out of the hand of the Amorite with my sword and with my bow. Let us pray. Father, will you now take of your own divine and inspired word and inscribe it upon our hearts and imprint it into our minds. Give us ears to hear, Father, this morning. Teachable spirits. And give us, Father, give us the ability to receive this word deep within our being, Lord, to strengthen our faith and to help us in our day and daily walk with you. Open our eyes in these days that we live in that we might behold, Lord, not the, the things that are so much going on in the world, but the wonderful things of your glory. Father, we love you. We worship you. We love your Son. And we thank you, Lord, you're here in spirit in our midst. Glorify your name and glorify the Lord Jesus, we pray. His name we ask it. Amen. Joseph, we all know Joseph who was sold into Egypt, into slavery. Then he interpreted Pharaoh's dreams and he's elevated in Egypt. And uh, Jacob becomes Israel. That's why it said Israel later in our reading this morning. And we understand that how uh, 
Joseph had two sons. We read of them. One is called Ephraim. The other one is Manasseh. And he brings them to his father, Jacob, Israel, to bless the boys. And if you read that chapter before our reading, you'll read as he brings them, old Jacob brings the boys, as it were, between his knees. He straightens himself up in his last days. He straightens himself up and brings them between his knees to bless. And what he does is he takes his right hand, that is the hand of of blessing, the hand of power, the hand of fellowship. Hence, our Lord Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of the majesty on high. And here he takes his right hand and he puts it over across the way to Ephraim, who would be on his left hand. And he takes his left hand and he puts it over on Manasseh, who would be to Jacob's right hand, making, as it were, a multiplication sign. And there he has this, and Joseph comes and says, not so, Father. And he goes to lift his hand, Jacob's hand off, Ephraim, and put it on the right hand on Manasseh. So he would have been like this, left to the left and right to the right. But he said, I know it, my son, I know it, I know what I'm doing. And so he crosses his hands and he blesses Ephraim. Ephraim means fruitful. And he blesses Ephraim that they would become a multitude in the midst of the earth or a multitude of nations. And even a couple of chapters back, you'll read how God said to Abraham that his seed would be as the stars of heaven and the dust of the ground. He also says it would be as the sand of the seashore. But here now, the blessing is going to continue. And then Ephraim later on in the scriptures... Ephraim becomes the name of the northern kingdom of the house of Israel. That's one of the names. It's also called Joseph, sometimes referred to as Samaria, because Samaria was the capital city. And so we have Joseph, Ephraim, Samaria, and of course Ephraim. In fact, when all of Jacob, Israel's sons, the 12 tribes, would come from the 12 sons, when his firstborn is called Reuben, and Reuben defined his father's bed, and a curse came on Reuben, and he said, let uh, the curse be upon him. And if you read on into the next chapter, you'll see the blessings of Jacob upon his sons, and it says, it'll befall them on the latter days. These are the latter days. Today's the latter days. And there'll be this multitude of nations in midst in the earth. That is an Ephraim. And Manasseh would be a great nation. Notice this. As he is blessing them, he goes to lift it up. He says, I know what I'm doing. And he continues on with the blessing of Ephraim. Later in the, chat, in, the, in the scriptures, what we find is Ephraim becomes the firstborn. Even though he's a grandson, he's taken from a, the status of a grandson and adopted that right into being a son, a fully-fledged son of Jacob, Israel. And so later in the scriptures, the Lord says that not Reuben the firstborn now, but Ephraim is my firstborn, the Lord said. And so the northern kingdom become Ephraim, the southern, or the house of Israel, the southern kingdom become the house of Judah. Hence where we get the name Jew from, from that one name that, of that one tribe. And so we find here that this is the blessing years before all of this happens. And of course, Ephraim are taken away captive and go into uh, the diaspora, and they end up uh, coming across to the, to the west. And of course, uh, we are the descendants of them. Notice this. 
we find that Judah remains in the, in the land. They are taken away into Babylon. You'll read of Shadrach. And again, a portion of Abednego and Daniel in the fiery furnace. They come back again, a portion, 42,000. Then some later come back, which has about 49,000 come back. And from there comes the temple rebuilt and the walls rebuilt, Ezra and Nehemiah. And we find then through time our Lord Jesus Christ comes from there. Let's look at this a moment. Go to Genesis chapter 32. Remember, he says, the angel which redeemed me from all evil. This is the blessing. We want to look at, first of all, this angel. Capital A, it means the angel of the Lord. Genesis chapter 32, please. And let your eye run down to verse 24. And Jacob was left alone and wrestled, there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of day. Underline that because it doesn't say Jacob wrestled with the angel, although he does. But the Holy Spirit has a put, there wrestled a man with him. A man. We're going to look at this man as God. This is an angelic theophany, as it's known, a, a pre-Bethlehem Old Testament appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ who meets Jacob. And we're going to look at the, the kinsman redeemer. Remember, this is God coming to him. This is God coming and bringing fellowship with him. Notice this, there was a man, there wrestled a man with Jacob. And then he goes on to say, or it goes on to say, verse 25, and when he saw that, he prevailed not against him. He touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint, and he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall not be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. For I have seen, notice God, this man is God. This angel, this man is God. For I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Now, when he says I have seen God face to face, the word face or the word penile, uh, they are very closely linked in the Hebrew text because the word ponim gives the idea of the face. So when we talk about the presence of God, it's the ponym of God in the Hebrew, and it means the face, that bitch which turns. Or if someone turns their face to look, it means that bit which turns, it's the ponym. So you go to a road, you turn to the left, you turn to the right, and it's the ponym, you're turning the face. So when we're aware and conscious of God's presence in the midst, when you're aware of the Spirit of God in our worship among, among us, when you're aware of, of him and conscious of the, of the Lord in our midst, he has, as it were, heard the worship. He has come with you together. We're a building fitly framed together, church. And he turns, as it were, his face to see. That's why we're conscious of his presence. If you were conscious of the Lord here like I was, 
if you were conscious of that anointing here this morning, like I was, I'm sure others were, that is the name of God where God has turned his face to see what CET are doing this morning, to see how we are worshiping this morning. But notice this man is God. And it says in verse 30, And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I've seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And he passed over Penuel. The sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. This man that wrestled with Jacob. In other words, the man, they wrestled the man with Jacob. It wasn't Jacob wrestling with the man, first of all, because God had to come down. God had to get involved. God, as it were, had to interfere in the walk and the life of Jacob. And it's exactly the same today with before you were saved, brother, before I was saved, sister. Before we were saved, we did not want to know God. We knew nothing of God. And God had to come, the Holy Spirit. He had to come. And what did he do? He started to speak to you. He started to wrestle with you. Some he wrestled with longer than others, where people weren't saved and God's speaking, God's dealing, God's moving on you. And we don't understand what it is. We can't comprehend what God is doing. But the Spirit is moving in you. And you're wrestling with him. My advice to you is to give up and give over because you always come off the worst by the time he's finished. Jacob's thigh was smote and he halted. In other words, he had a limp the rest of his days. Bad hip. He had a bad hip. Brother, sister, and friend, here's the thing we want to put across to you. When God is speaking with us, when God is dealing with us, when God is moving on us, then here's what we must be aware of is that sometimes we don't want to do, we don't want to go, we don't want to yield, neither do we want to surrender our lives to him or our will and ways to him. But when we do, we realize it's better, it's profitable for us. And we also find this, that together he can, we wrestle with him. And he wrestles with us. He is the instigator. He came down in love. And the longer that we do that, we find the worse off we can be. For example, when Jacob halted with his hip or his thigh, he limped all his days after that. It would remind him of the wrestling match. And there is the glory of being a name changed to Israel, a prince or a ruler with God. And there's the glory of that, and it's fantastic, and we love that side of it. But the longer we wrestle with God, the worse off it is. And we always remember the, the, the bad things, don't we? We remember the hard things, the difficult things. We remember the times of the trial and all of those things where the blessing is right before us. Jacob Israel had a name. He had a promise of God. And yet Jacob, for some time, he found it really difficult to understand these things until we get into Genesis chapter 48 in our reading. And now by faith, because of what he's come through, he's eventually looking at the promise of God. He's looking at the promise of God, even though he hasn't seen most of them materialize yet. And sometimes we look and we don't see them, the things that God has said to us or promised us, and it hasn't materialized yet. That doesn't mean it doesn't happen. And that doesn't mean it isn't going to happen. What God says, he means, and he means what he says. 
And notice here, we have to see the blessing of God. We have to see the blessing of it. I was just praying uh, this morning and just talking to the Lord on the way over here in the car this morning. And certain things, if if I allowed my mind and I allowed the devil to ply my thoughts, he would have me think the worst. He would have me think the worst of what's going on in the world and the things that are happening today. He would have me concerned. He would have me agitated and worried about them if I allowed it to happen especially in the night watches, but I get up this morning and there's a few things in my mind and it was the negative things. And I had to switch on and I heard the voice of God in my head saying to me, son, look at the positive what I have done in the midst of this time that the world is in. Look at the things that he's done for us. Look at the things he's done for you. Look at the blessings that he's brought and look at the blessings of the, you have health, you have strength, you have life, you've opened your eyes, you can hear with your ears, most of us can't anyhow, and you can, you've stood upon your feet this morning, and God has blessed us. And listen, in spite of us, we still belong to him. In spite of our weaknesses and our failures and our faults, and in spite of us and who we are, God has continued to love us in spite of us. Not because of us, but in spite of us. He's continued to keep me Not because I'm so great and wonderful and brilliant. I'm on the opposite side of that scale. He has kept me because he has set his love upon me. Don't ask me why, but he set his love upon me. And so he's kept me even in my failures and my faults and my waywardness and my lack of understanding of things. And even in the time when I should be worshiping and I'm caught up with other things. He still loves you. And he still loved me. Brothers and sisters, we must understand and look at the promise. Jacob gets there. And he blesses the lads. This man, a theophany it's called, this angel was the Lord Jesus. Mind you now, don't say that Jesus is just an angel. The word meaning that he is the angel of the Lord, an appearance of the Holy One of Israel. Will you turn with me just quickly to the book of Hosea and keep your place in in Genesis? The book of Hosea. And you want to know where it is? Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea. Hosea, go right to chapter 12, please. Hosea chapter 12. Notice what it says in verse 1. Ephraim. This is years later. This is the son's descendants. In fact, Hosea is actually a picture of the Lord here. He's a picture of the Lord Jesus, actually. Picture of Yahweh. He is the, he represents the husband of Israel. That is, Yahweh marries Israel in Exodus chapter 19. He carries them over the threshold into the promised land, that is, over the threshold promised land of his home. And of course, then because of their sin, they split in the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom. Hosea is a prophet to the northern kingdom. Now, why do I tell you that? Because when you're reading the scripture, I was listening to a preacher just yesterday, uh, a doctor, um, uh, anyway, he's a doctor uh, of theology or something over in the States. And I was listening to him yesterday. You know what he said? He's speaking at a conference and he says, you know, friends, he says, the, 
the main church in America, he says, don't know the word of God at all. And I believe that. Because many Christians have stopped believing and studying the word. He says, in fact, they can't get past the index and they have trouble finding it. And many Christians, you know where they get their theology? Oh, Facebook. There's a, a Facebook post. Sounds good. Let's believe that. Brothers and sisters, we can get, cannot get our theology anywhere else but in this. What it says, the Lord. Notice here what he says, what it says, the Lord says, Ephraim feedeth on wind and followeth after the east wind and increase, daily increaseth lies and desolation. They do make a covenant with the Assyrians. These become their captors. You see, what do you play with? It's dangerous, brother. What you are playing with, sister, in the worldliness is dangerous. The United Kingdom played for 40 years with the European Union. Look where that got us. Notice here, it says, And oil is carried into Egypt. The Lord hath also a controversy with Judah. That's the southern kingdom. And will punish Jacob according to his ways. That is all of them. According to his doings, he will recompense him. Now I notice he took his brother by the heel in the womb, and by his strength he had power with God. Yea, he had power over the angel. Now this angel is God, according to the book of Genesis, chapter 32. So you see, Jesus isn't an angel. He's God, a very God. He's the Son of God. And notice this. Yea, he had power over the angel and prevailed. He wept and made supplications unto him. He found him in Bethel. And there he spake with us, even the Lord God of hosts. The Lord is his memorial. Therefore, turn thou to thy God and keep mercy and judgment and wait on thy God continually. Notice, so here's a picture of what Hosea is looking back to the book of Genesis to, the, to, to Father Jacob here. And he's saying, this is what Ephraim was a tribe, but it was the main name for the house of Israel, the northern kingdom. And he's saying, look at the sin in the land. Look what it's doing before God. And so in the book of Hosea, Hosea represents the Lord. Hosea marries a woman called Gomer. In fact, read the book of Hosea. It's one of the best books in the Old Testament. And you'll find Gomer is in Harlot, and she represents the northern kingdom in the house of Israel. And the Lord says, go marry a whore. The, uh, a mother of whoredoms or from the land of whoredoms for the, the land hath committed great whoredom before me. And so he goes out and marries Gomer who represented the people of Israel. Hosea uh, represents the Lord. Then they separate and go their ways. It gives the idea of the house of Israel being cast out of God's sight and later Gomer goes looking for her and redeems her. Buys her back from the slave market of sin and from the, 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 the captors that she had at the time. Representing the house of Israel being redeemed again through the blood of Christ. That whole story is a beautiful, powerful story. And now whenever we get here, we're seeing now back to Jacob that he's even saying, look, Jacob was a plotter, planter, he's a heel grabber, he was a twister. In fact, he wrestled with this angel who we know as God, and he had power with God. 
Now the idea, how can a, a mortal human man have power with God? Listen, that's called grace. Do you know that? God could take the breath from any one of our nostrils any time he so desired and so could the Lord at this point with Jacob when he's wrestling with it with him. But God had a plan, God had a purpose and sometimes you're wrestling with the Lord and you're wrestling so hard and so long and you're stubborn with the Lord and you won't do as God has told you and you keep a hardened heart and, and you turn away from him and so do I many times but thank God for his grace. Thank God for his grace and his mercy. And God gave him grace and allowed him to speak even in his presence, let alone wrestle with him. So we can see it's even going through scripture here. Here is the, see the tightness in the communion with Jacob and Yahweh. Jacob and Israel and Yahweh. So we have in Hebrews chapter 11. If you want to turn to it, you can turn to it. Or if you want to write it down, read it later. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 21 is Hebrews 11 is known as faith's hall of fame by faith, by faith, such and such done this, that and the other. Faith's hall of fame. So in Hebrews eleven twenty one, this is mentioned again in our New Testament then. Listen to what it says. By faith, Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped while leaning upon the top of his staff. By faith, Jacob blessed both the sons of Joseph. That's our reading this morning. Crossing his hands on Ephraim and Manasseh. Now in the book of Hebrews, after the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, calling Israel back to God. By faith, Jacob, when he was a-dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped while leaning upon the top of his staff. Here's the thing. Do you know what he means by that? The shepherds all had a staff and they had this great big tall staff and they had walked with it. And every time something happened that was noteworthy, they would have put a notch in the staff. Now think about this Jacob. Remember he puts his head on the pillow, he sees the stairway to heaven and the angels of God ascending and descending upon it. What sort of a, a notch would have been in that? When he, when he, he could have thought of Laban cheating him. When he, when he, he was laboring for seven years and got the wrong wife and then had to labor for another seven years. Leah and Rachel. What sort of a notch would have been in the staff then? And they, they used this as a diary. But they used it to strengthen their faith. Think about it. When he wrestled with the angel of the Lord all night, the size of the notch would have been carved long and out of that. And every time he's seen it, it brought it back to his memory what had happened here. He had a thought of Bethel, Peniel. He had thought of the face that turned toward him and the man who is God wrestling with him all night, having grace and mercy. But he would have seen how God had elevated him up to become a, a ruler or a prince with God, ruling with God. He had looked at it when Jacob was a dying. Notice when he's dying. When he's dying. Sometimes our faith is in our boots, isn't it? Sometimes our hearts are, are, are just like water. 
Sometimes our strength has gone and left us. Sometimes we don't know what way to turn. Sometimes we feel so worthless and low. You feel lower than a snake's belly on a, on a wagon rut. You don't know what to do. Here's what Jacob done when he was dying. He gathers himself up. And Ephraim and Manasseh are coming. And he gathers himself up. And he sits, as it were. And pulls himself up. And he starts to look at how God had blessed before. He was here. And he was here. He was there. Remember that. And faith starts to rise in his heart. He realizes his God is the same yesterday and today and forever. And as he's reading this, faith builds to where he can now in faith speak a blessing to Ephraim and Manasseh. Crosses his hands and he says, I'll bless Ephraim. You'll be a multitude of nations in the midst of the earth, Manasseh. Nor you'll be a commonwealth of nations. He didn't see it come to pass. We have. We are the blessing of God to Jacob. You know, you can still worship while you're weak. It doesn't have to be so demonstrative. You can still worship while you're weak. You can still worship while you're weary. You can still worship leaning on the promises, leaning on the everlasting arms, leaning on Jesus. The promises of God won't fail when he gives you the promise. Listen, I was thinking about this as I wrote this the other day, and I just wrote this down. Faith sees further than the life you're now living. Brother, sister, faith sees further than the life you're now living. For faith seen further as faith rose up in the heart, in the mind, in the spirit of Jacob, that he could prophesy over these two boys and yet not see it come to pass and leave it with the Lord. Faith sees further than the surroundings you're living in. If we hadn't faith to see further, I trust everyone that comes to see ET or who've been with me for some time. Some have been with me 12 years or so, 12 years or whatever, and, and some just knew. And, but what I want is people in CET to be educated in the Scriptures. I don't want them to be just promise backs. Uh, single verse mentality believers but educated in the scriptures because that's what tells us about the Lord and who he is and we think when we look outside and people are afraid and listen if you don't train as it were or if you don't repent in your mind and be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind Listen, the church, here's the way the church has went through the years and all the trouble it's been in. The church as we know it, as in, from the day of Pentecost, the church was formed. Then comes Romanism, and it's deformed. Then through the Protestant Reformation, yesterday was Reformation Day, by the way, in case you didn't know. And Reformation had become, uh, formed, deformed, and then it comes transformed in the Reformation. 
But you know what's happening today? It's becoming conformed. The church now in 2020 is being conformed to the world. Conformed to the things you hear. Theology, as I said, from Facebook, social media. Theology is from the news that we're hearing. And it's telling us how to believe, what to believe, when to believe, and where to do it. But I can tell you, don't be conformed to this world. But rather, what's the church need? It needs a, a reformation. No, we've had the reformation. We've got the truths of the scripture. It's in here. We know it. I'll tell you what it needs. It needs transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Notice you can still have faith and believe in faith, for faith sees further than the surroundings you're in. You'd go, you'd, you'd, you just wouldn't make it if we're locking down everything that's on. You know, we're, we will never lock down, we're locking down. It's a bit like never, 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 I all right then, isn't it? We get that in Ulster. It's a bit like we, you know, we, we do more moss, we don't wear moss. It's a bit like, it's like all of that stuff that's in, in our heads and everybody's con- confused. And if you want to know truth, brother, sister, lift it and read it every day. Pray and ask the Lord to show you. Listen, faith sees the victory when your eyes only see defeat. Faith sees your victory when your eyes will only see defeat too. It looks like everything, we're in defeat all the time. It's like the church has just been defeated and we've, we've pulled the, the spiritual duvet over our heads and pretended everything's going to go away. Brothers and sisters, everything's getting worse. You know what's going to happen? Unless you and I trust in the Scripture... Unless you and I follow the word, more and more are going to fall away. And the more we look at it, it seems like doom and gloom. It's like I said earlier, it's all doom and gloom. Here's what to do. Go to the scriptures and look at the promise of Jacob. You're going to be a multitude in the midst of the earth. A multitude of nations will come of thee. It doesn't look like it, Lord. It's not what it looks like, brother. It's not what it looks like, sister. It's what he says. It's what he says. And when it doesn't look like it for you, it doesn't matter what it looks like for you. I know it feels and it's hard. It doesn't matter what it looks like for you. It's what he says. What does God say for your life when you're feeling the struggle of it? Faith sees the victory when your eyes see defeat. And faith sees God in it. Ready? Faith sees God in it. When others think the devil's won it. Puritan John Trapp wrote these words. It is the nature of faith to believe upon his bare word. It will not, it will not be Seth's sense. It cannot be, saith reason. It both can and will be, saith faith. For I have a promise for it.
Did you just get that? It will not be Seth's sense. It cannot be Seth's reason. It both can and will be Seth's faith, for I have a promise for it. Puritan Elisha Coles, listen to what he says. Faith is your spiritual optic. Faith is your spiritual optic. We as the the body of Christ should be able to see past everything that's happening in our day, in our generation. We should be able to see past everything that's happening outside the, the, the laws that are passed. We should be able to see past it and see not only the evil of it, but the the promise of God. Be able to see him as our sovereign Lord God Almighty in complete control. Puritan Thomas Watson says, Where reason cannot wade, there faith may swim. Where reason cannot wade, their faith may swim. And where your feet come off the bottom, as it were, and you think it's all out of control, you think that your life, your family, your home, and all all of these things, your marriage, all of these things, you think, well, there's no reconciliation, recuperation, there's no help for me in this. Listen, your feet might be off the bottom and you can't help it, but faith can cause you to swim. To stay afloat and go through these things. So Jacob's faith had risen in his heart. Jacob's faith had risen where he could prophesy over the sons of Joseph. Back to Genesis 48, please. Genesis 48. My goodness, not the time already. They were saying longer what happened. Genesis 48. And let your eye run down to verse 16. Jacob says, The angel which redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads, and let my name be named on them. In other words, Israel. Jacob, Israel. And the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Notice this. The angel which redeemed me. See the word redeemed. It's the word Gaal. G-A-A-L. It's very akin and close to the word goel. G-O-E-L. Really, they're basically almost the same thing. One is what is done. The other one is what's become. In other words, the goel was the actual person, the redeemer. The goel is what the person has done. Which redeemed the best way I can explain it to you. Notice, it's the angel which redeemed me. The Lord Jesus came and redeemed him from all evil. Notice he didn't say he kept me from all evil. Notice that. We're not kept from all evil. Even our Lord says, deliver us from evil. In other words, evil will come. Evil in our land, evil in our governments, evil in our nation, evil in Westminster. Westminster is one of the most putrid, corrupt governments in the world at the minute. Here's the thing. That will not stop things coming our way. 
And we might find ourselves personally or in a, as the body of Christ or nationally. We might find our thing, ourselves in a place where evil seems to surround us. Here's what Jacob said, Jacob Israel, the angel which redeemed me huh, from all evil. In other words, he was in it, he needed brought out of it. Deliver us from evil, or the evil one, the Lord Jesus says, whenever he's teaching the prayer. I call it the model prayer rather than the Lord's prayer. The Lord's prayer is probably around John 17 better. And so we, when we're in it, we're not lost in it because when, we're, when we are the elect chosen of the Lord, when we, when we are God's own people, then what happens is he knows where we are to redeem us out. Single or individually, nationally, as the body of Christ. He is the Gaal is what he's done. In other words, he is the Redeemer. So here's the thing. If, if, Christ, if Christ is just a man who shed his blood, as many are purporting in so-called Christendom today, denying the divinity and the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ, there's many so-called uh, Christians are now turning to this, falling away from him. Just a man who God sent, just a prophet. And they're joining with the ecumenical movement of all these other antichrists. And we won't go there, brothers and sisters. If that's all he is, you and I are still lost. You and I are still in our sin. But he isn't. He's the son of God and he's the son of man. And he came from heaven's glory. He's the one who wrestled with Jacob all night as the angel of the Lord. He was manifest in the flesh. And he died on Calvary's tree for us. He's our redeemer. He's our kinsman. Notice here the angel which redeemed me from all evil. The redeem is kalal. And this is what it means. To act as a kinsman. Or to be next of kin. God is so close here to his own. I want you to get this. Because God is so close to his people. Here so close to Jacob. Then later to Israel. To you and I. God is so close to us. Even then, he sees himself as our next of kin. He's your next of kin. I'm going to put a little thing out there, a little thought here. I'm going to wrap this up with this. And God willing, we'll do part two next week. For example, in Hebrews 2 and verse 16 says, For verily he, the Lord Jesus, took not on him the nature of angels... He's an angel here, as it were. The nature of angels in the sense that he's spirit here. He's theophany. He's an appearance of God. And he is God. Looks like a man. The, the word angel actually means, also can mean messenger here. He's the messenger. And he's also called the messenger of the covenant. And notice what it says. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. In other words, he became flesh. Flesh. 
So here's the thought I'll close with today. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels. Okay? But took on him the seed of Abraham. John 1 verse 27. John says, John the Baptist, speaking of the Lord Jesus, he who's coming after me is preferred before me. Listen, whose shoe latchet I am not worthy to unloose. Do you ever wonder what that means? What does it mean, John? I'm not even worthy to tie your shoe. That's what most people think. That's not what it means. I'm not not worthy to get down and unbuckle your sandal, Lord. That's not what it means. Write down Leviticus 25, roughly around verse 25 onwards. Write down Ruth chapter 3 and chapter 4. Boaz, you know, the story of Boaz and Ruth. And and he's going to marry Ruth. He's looking to, but he's not the next of kin, the next in line. He takes Ruth to her next of kin. And he says to the next of kin, I don't know where he was now, lad. No, he's over the hill or what he was, but redeem. Oh, uh, her, her husband has died. He's our next of kin. And uh, we want to know if you want to redeem. You can redeem lands and properties and so on. And he's all up for redeeming the land and property. And I don't know if Ruth was by her cell by date at this point. I don't know. But he just looked and he says, but you have to redeem Ruth as well. And he went, no thanks. You read it. So what they do is they take off his shoe. Generally, you dis- the woman would take off your shoe and spit in your face. That's what happened. That's what John's talking about. He's the next of kin. John's saying, not me. He's the kinsman. Not me. I'm not worthy to come even to take the buckle off his sandal, the shoe, the leather strapping. I'm not worthy of it. That's what he's saying. He was before me, for he is the one who spoke to Jacob. Are you with me? So Jesus came and he had to redeem us by the shedding of his blood. He's our kinsman redeemer. So now you know what loosing the latchet of the shoe, your shoe latchet means. Brothers and sisters, let us worship him and praise him for great is our God and he's greatly to be praised. I trust this morning we have heard something of worth. Your faith is encouraged. Team, would you come up?